Well, do keep your Bibles uh, open there at, uh, in, in, in Proverbs. We'll be looking at those verses and a number of other verses in Proverbs and uh, other parts of the Bible, uh, most of which will be up on the screen as well for you. Uh, as we do prepare to look at God's Word, let's pray. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we praise you uh, and thank you for your Word. We thank you that in your Word, the Bible, we uh, learn about yourself. You teach us all we need to know about you and about life and salvation. You teach us how to live as your people. Help us to uh, learn, help us to grow this morning as we read your word and help us to see uh, how what we read ought to be changing our lives. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Humility, wisdom and humility. How humble are you? Uh, how good are you at being humble? If there was a competition for being humble, would you get first prize? And if you did, would you then display it for all to see? Uh, humility, I think sometimes is not as popular a concept as we sometimes like to believe. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a virtue that, that, that's fairly highly praised in society. But I think more than in ourselves, we like to see humility in others. <laughs> Uh, especially in people with some authority or influence or power. But we can be quite impressed when they show humility, like you know, the soccer star who gives the credit to his team for a win, even though he scored most of the goals himself. Uh, or the politician who acts in the best interests of others, even when there's no advantage to them or their career. Uh, we like it when others are humble. I, I think we can find it much harder to be humble ourselves. Um, it's all too easy to be self-focused instead of other person-focused. Uh, and yet humility requires that we put others first. Uh, one of the commentators on Proverbs that I'm reading connects the idea of humility with the concept of the fear of the Lord in Proverbs. Uh, and we'll look at that in a minute. Uh, but he says this, The fear of the Lord is not the spirit of our times. Self-esteem is the spirit of our times. The fear of the Lord is not the spirit of our times. Self-esteem is the spirit of our times. A quick search on Amazon.com for the topic self-esteem gets over 50,000 hits. Uh, if you want a book on self-esteem, plenty of choice, too much choice even. Uh, but that's what people want, obviously, to, to focus on self, to, to build ourselves up. That's what we're after. A search on Amazon.com for humility, on the other hand, only brings up around 7,000 books. Now, that's still plenty of choice, granted. Uh, but clearly there's a stronger appetite for self-care, self-focus, than there is for, for humbling ourselves, for focusing on others. Uh, the book of Proverbs certainly encourages us to focus on others, encourages us to be humble, not proud. Uh, and one of the ways it does this is continually encouraging us to heed instruction, to be open to teaching, to listen and learn, and, and therefore grow in wisdom. Uh, this is the humble approach to instruction where the proud often reject instruction. Uh, now, how can we grow in wisdom unless we are teachable? And that requires a healthy dose of humility on our part. And Proverbs has quite a bit to say about that. Uh, humility is a key to the, the great theme of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord. 
so the fear of the Lord, uh, as, as we've heard, uh, is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. Uh, we saw in chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Uh, to fear the Lord requires humility. Uh, it requires us to submit to the Lord and learn from Him, uh, to respect and honour and revere the Lord, to, to obey and follow His plans and not our plans. That, that is wisdom and that requires humility. The opposite of that is the fool who despises wisdom and instruction. Uh, that's the position of the proud person, not the humble person. If we're to fear the Lord, we will need to be humble. Uh, and Proverbs reflects this as it talks about pride and humility, as it talks about valuing God's wisdom over uh, our wisdom, valuing God's plans over our plans, as it talks about submitting to God and humbly learning from him. Uh, so Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 32 through to 16, verse 4, the passage we uh, just read together. Have a look at those verses again. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honour. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. You see the way there that humbling ourselves before God, trusting in his plans, not our own, putting God first, so that that's wisdom and that's what leads to life, whereas the proud, they'll actually be punished by God. Uh, chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share the plunder, uh, share plunder with the proud. Uh, pride and humility regularly contrasted in Proverbs. Chapter 21, verse 4 says, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked produce sin. And then chapter 22, verse 4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its, its wages are riches and honour and life. Proverbs 28, verses 13 to 14. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Now, in those couple of verses, pride and humility, not specifically uh, named, but the meaning is there. The proud are the heart of heart who conceal their sins while the humble confess their sins and find mercy. The humble tremble before God and the proud harden their heart and fall. A uh, couple more Proverbs. Proverbs 29, verse 23, the contrast again. Pride brings a person low, 
but the lowly in spirit gain honour. Proverbs 18, verse 12, before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honour. Pride goes before a fall. Pride is dangerous. It pits us, pits us against God, whereas the humble can actually look forward to reward from God. Proverbs 3, verse 34, he mocks proud mockers, but shows favour to the humble and oppressed. When we fear the Lord, when we honour God before ourselves, we actually have honour from God to look forward to. Uh, You could say that pride is seeking to honour ourselves, where humility is honouring God and receiving honour from him. This whole theme carries over uh, into the New Testament. Christians are also commanded to be humble uh, before God, to humble ourselves before God and and to put others before ourselves. Uh, And the humble are honoured by God. Uh, Have a look at a couple of places where this is described. First of all, in the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 23, verses 8 to 12. uh, Jesus teaching his disciples here how they ought to be different from the proud Pharisees. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 5 verse 5, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Uh, Peter quoting Proverbs 3 verse 34 there. And then in the next couple of verses, 6 and 7, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Humble yourselves before God. Uh, James quotes the same proverb in in James 4 from verse 6. This is what, uh, James 4 from verse 6. This is what scripture says. God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humility uh, in Proverbs and in the New Testament, it's about submitting to God, humbling ourselves before God primarily, admitting our sin, coming to him to be cleansed. Uh, following, it means following God's way, admitting that we rely entirely on him and in doing so, we receive his reward. We receive forgiveness and salvation. Now, pride refuses to acknowledge sin. It seeks to honour itself, glorify itself. But that only leads to destruction. Humility, by contrast, humbles itself before God and receives honour from God. In the end, that, that reward we receive, the honour, the exaltation, It's all God's grace to us. It's God's grace that brings us forgiveness for sin. 
that exaltation finally to eternal life. Uh, not because we earned it, but because of God's free gift in Christ. Uh, this is the entire basis of the gospel. And this motivates us to be humble towards each other. Uh, it's Christ's example we're to follow in, in seeking to be humble here and now in this life towards others. Our, our, our humility is based on the humility of Christ. Uh, in Philippians, Paul lists off the benefits of believing the gospel. Uh, he talks about the, the forgiveness and grace they've received from God, the ongoing assurance of Christ's work in their lives, the hope of eternal life. God will bring to completion the work that he started. As he says uh, in chapter 2, as people who receive the privilege of being united with Christ, he says to the Philippians, then you should humbly serve each other. This is what it will look like to live, live lives worthy of the gospel and to stand together in Christ. He says it's about humility. Uh, so if you have your Bibles there, or this will come up on the screen as well, Philippians chapter 2 and from verse 1. Philippians 2 verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Given all that we receive from God through faith in Christ, all uh, through God's grace by no effort of our own, well, our response then is, is to be humble, to, as, as Christians, to, to, to put others first, consider others better than yourselves. Now, this is not the way that we're trained to live. Uh, as, as Aussies, is it? It's not the way that we, we grow up learning how to live. Our culture is all about looking out for number one. Uh, you get the best deal you can for yourself. Uh, don't think too much about the cost to others. We don't naturally look out for others ahead of ourselves most of the time, do we? Uh, often, often we may be motivated to treat others well, but often that's for fairly selfish reasons. Uh, often we, we're not really considering others as better than ourselves, but actually our image is important to us. <laughs> what others think of us is, is important to us, so we do the right thing. We treat others well so that we'll look good. Uh, our, our good deeds are often motivated by our own selfishness. A uh, bit of an example for you. So I remember after we finished Bible college, we moved back from Sydney to Brisbane into a, a rental house in Kenmore. Uh, and the house had these massive shrubs and trees in the front yard right on the edge of the footpath overhanging the concrete path. It was, it was a narrow enough path as it was, and you just couldn't walk along there uh, you, without getting scratched by a branch or pushing your way through leaves. So one day, pretty soon after we moved in, I, I went out and I pruned, I pruned the bushes. So I cut back the branches, and, and I convinced myself I was doing that because I was, I was a good neighbour. I was thinking of others, putting others first. I wanted people to walk freely, have unobstructed access along the footpath in front of our house. Uh, that's not actually why I did it. <laughs> I did it because I didn't want people thinking badly of me. Uh, I, I, I didn't want 
people thinking how lazy and slack whoever lives in that house is uh, and getting angry at me because they couldn't walk along the footpath. I looked like I was thinking of the needs of others, but really I was just worried about what a bunch of strangers might think of me. Um, I wonder how often we act like that, maybe even in church, uh, with that kind of self-serving false humility sometimes. It's easy to look like you're serving others when really you could be serving your own ego, uh, serving on you know this committee or that committee, doing this job or that job, just because it makes you feel good about yourself uh, or because it makes you look good in the eyes of others. When we do that, we're not really acting humbly towards each other. Uh, it's, it's possible and, and tempting uh, to take on roles of, 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 of service and, uh, and to do it in a way which is really just serving ourselves more than it's serving others. And so we sometimes need to look at our, our motivation in the things that we do, the choices we make, the, the ways that we serve. Uh, why are we doing this? And are we actually putting others first or are we serving ourselves? Uh, And if we do act with the right motivation, as we do serve each other wholeheartedly because we've been served by God and, and, and so we wish to express that humility towards others, well, that will put us in good stead. When opposition comes to the church or when conflict arises within the church, well, that's when our unity and humility will be tested and that's when we find out whether we're a group of people looking out for each other or just a bunch of individuals looking out for ourselves. Uh, true humility, uh, a church where people are genuinely looking out for themselves, which I think is the case so often here at church. It's wonderful. Uh, but that kind of true humility and care for others uh, strengthens the church. Uh, and Paul says in uh, Philippians there, and don't simply look out for number one. Put others first. Look to others' interests because, after all, isn't that the way Christ has acted towards us? Uh, Christ has shown us the ultimate model of humility. Paul holds Christ up to us and he says, model yourself on this guy. Uh, as human beings, humility doesn't come naturally to us. We know that. Paul knew that. And if we're going to model humility on anyone, we should copy the attitude of Christ. Uh, Paul couldn't pick a better example. You know, if you want to learn how to drive Formula One, you got to get lessons from Daniel Ricciardo. If you want to learn how to kick a goal in soccer, go ask Cristiano Ronaldo. If you want to learn how to be humble, you look to Jesus. <laughs> Paul says there in verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then over the next six verses, Paul describes in an extraordinary poem the humble attitude of Christ. Uh, Paul tells us that Jesus is God. Jesus has all the authority and power of the creator of the universe, yet he didn't cling to that power and authority. Instead, he humbled himself and became part of his creation, going so far as to die in the most humiliating way. As a criminal, uh, beaten and nailed to a cross for everyone to see, uh, Jesus humbled himself in order to die for his people. 
the perfect righteous God uh, essentially became, became nothing for us. Uh, have, have a read of the poem with me, verse 5, Philippians 2 from verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus' humility knew no bounds. He went further than anyone else will ever go, further than any human could possibly go. From the heights of glory with the Father in heaven to the depths of the earth, dying in the sludge of human existence. And if this seems incredible to us, uh, it was probably more incredible to people at the time. Uh, Aussie historian and evangelist John Dixon, he describes the Greco-Roman culture of Jesus' day as an honour-shame culture. Uh, To lower yourself to and to shed your honour before equals, let alone before those who were below you, well, that was intensely shameful. It brought shame to you and to your family. And there was no more shameful, honour-sapping way to die than the cross, the lowest, most degrading form of torture and execution at the time. And God did this before humans. God became human, died in the most shameful, humiliating way a human could die. Uh, Unthinkable in terms of the culture of the time. And Christians would be reviled in coming years for believing in a crucified God. How could you worship someone who died on a cross? Ridiculous. But even more amazing uh, was that Jesus didn't remain in shame and dishonour. Because of his humility, because he humbled himself to serve humanity, Jesus was rewarded. He didn't lose his position. Instead, he was exalted again by the Father to become Lord and Master of all. Uh, It's all part of the plan. The result of Jesus' death on the cross is that he was raised again to be with God in heaven, to be acknowledged as Lord by everyone, to the glory of God. Uh, Verse 9, read from verse 9 with me. Philippians 2, verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now in this poem, in in these 11 verses, where Paul presents the gospel, uh, the good news that the Philippians have believed in is that God became a man. He walked the earth as one of us and died a humiliating death to pay the penalty for our sins. He not only died but was raised to life and ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. He took his rightful place as Lord and judge, and one day everyone will call him Lord. The gospel gives us Jesus as the ultimate example of humility uh, and as the ultimate example to follow as we humble ourselves and treat others better than ourselves. Again, this doesn't simply come naturally to us. (laughs) Uh, We need to work at being humble. 
And the gospel teaches us to be humble. One of the commentators I'm reading, uh, again, uh, Raymond Ortland, he puts it this way. Humility began in heaven. We did not invent it. The Son of God revealed it. We lift ourselves up. The Son of God stepped down. Nothing is too good for us. Nothing was too low for the Son of God. We make ourselves big deals. The Son of God made himself nothing. We measure out our obedience one inch at a time to keep control. The Son of God became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross for you and me. And this humble God loves us proud sinners. He even wants to share his glory with us. And on terms of grace, the only price we pay is the loss of foolish ego. What a liberation. We've been liberated by God. And we can live now uh, glorifying him as we humbly serve each other. And as we look forward to the incredible reward he has waiting for us. His free gift in Jesus. Uh, let's pray and thank God for this. Please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you because you are a loving and powerful and compassionate God. We praise you for your love towards us in Jesus. We praise you, praise you that through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his death in payment for sin and his rising to life again, we have forgiveness for sin and the hope of eternal life in heaven. Heavenly Father, we praise you for this. We pray that Jesus would be our example as we seek to live with humility here and now in this life. Help us to live towards each other with humility. Help us to put others first. Help us to put each other before ourselves and to seek the good of each other before ourselves. Help us to seek the good of others before the good for ourselves. Help us to do this because this is what you have done for us, Lord. Help us to follow Christ's example of humility. Help us to live in a way that brings honour to you. Help us to live in a way that builds each other up. And help us to do this, Lord, in gratitude for your love for us. We pray all of this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.